Welcome to Bitstore, my comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Hello. Oh, no, the Muppet voice is back. <laughs> Get out of here, Kermit. Who's your favourite Muppet? Uh, Beaker. Beaker. <laughs> I think I've got to go with, with Fozzie Bear. He's just such a sad, sad like character. I don't know. Yeah. He tries so hard. So positive all the time, and everyone hates him. Well, they don't hate him, but he gets a lot of shit piled on him. Anyway, yeah. welcome to Bitstorm, the Muppet fan cast. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what we are. Trevor, do you want to tell a listening audience about Click Pitch? Uh, so, what we do is we both have a random word generator in front of us. On the count of three, two, one, click, we're going to click refresh. We're going to take those words, we're going to throw them at each other, come up with a game design... Then when we don't like it, we throw it away and we start all over again. That's the way the game is played. Shall we begin? Three to one click. Feedback. Array. Okay. Feedback. I mean, feedback makes me think, you know, music, speakers, like sound waves crashing into each other and feeding back upon each other. Uh, Is this some sort of game where you fight with like big stacks of speakers or something? Some sort do you of- fight? Do you fight big stacks of st- speakers, or do you fight with big stacks of speakers? Oh, alongside them, they're your pals. No, I meant, <laughs> I mean, you use them as your weaponry or as your defenses ah. or something. Maybe this is like a brutal legend esque, you know, heavy metal world of mm-hmm. uh, of battling guitars and rocking out riffs and speakers and things. Okay, not- now now I'm just picturing like. The entire game is is sort of like, um, kind of like uh, what's it called? Dead Rising. Okay. In that you've got sort of like a a uh, perpetual world sort of thing. Um, that there's lots and lots of enemies just outside, and you've got like you know your base of operations. Okay. And as you're looking through the security cameras and stuff, you see different um different speaker arrays being sort of held hostage as such. <laughs> like they're they're somewhat um. Anthropomorphic, okay. in the fact that when you when you go save them, like they each each speaker stack gives you a um an extra power up sort of thing that you can go with your axe, which is literally a, a guitar slash axe. Um, a la brutal legend, a la brutal legend, but um pro- probably a little bit more so on the um on the music playing rather than the beating people's heads in. All right, so I don't. I don't know that we need to go anthropomorphic on the speaker stacks. I like the idea of of Dead Rising kind of thing. Are you think well when you say Dead Rising, are there like hordes of enemies and stuff as well in that way? Like, is there something that's happened here that has caused like something music related? Yeah, well, is it I'm, the I'm latest thinking- catchy hit that's like hypnotized everybody to. Are we going to go the whole yeah, kind I'm, of metal I'm- versus everything else? Have you seen Lego Movie Two? I have. Yes. Okay, so you know how when you first start seeing Lego Movie 2 and you think that the way everything's going is when they heard this, um, you know, catchy song that they um, they all turned into, like, zombie almost. Yeah, yeah. Zombie-like people, except it turns out that that wasn't actually the case and it was a big sort of, um, you know, conspiracy done by the actual antagonist of the, of the film. Mm-hmm. 
But um, I, I just like the idea that, you know, you see all these people out there who who sort of attack you because they notice that you're not popping away to the latest sort of catchy song. I like the idea that they all have, like, iPods or, like, well, iPods. What fucking decade are we in? Anyway, headphones in. Um, so, you don't actually okay. hear the music as you walk around or maybe yes. you get little snippets of it or something. But, like, most of the time you just see these people out there kind of endlessly dancing silently. And so, so you do just hear, like, the shuffle of all the steps as you- Where What I think is happening is this is in the late 80s, so they've all got tape players, like Walkmans. Okay. Um, so, I'm picturing, you know, the, the old over-the-head- over Over-the-head, over the those of- cheap, like, thin over-the-head headphones with the- With the big big foam pieces and, yep. like, the thin metal over the top. Yep. 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 Um, maybe even a curly cord every now and again. Um, sure. <laughs> For those real audiophiles. But but the the idea is that you know you you get out there with your um with your axe that you can use to beat people over the head with when you finally um pick up one of the one of the speaker sets you can actually you know rock out and convert people away from the um the shitty music yeah well I was almost thinking then that yes the speaker stacks are kind of like a capture point. Uh, where, yeah, you, you can get more power-ups, you can get additional abilities, but it's just because you have sort of, um, like, increased your heavy metal network, as, you know, as it were, uh, yep. of these linked-together towers that are all blasting hard rock and heavy metal. Um, because, as we all know, uh, the uh, commercialised pop music is uh, from the devil. Well- that that gets that gets uh, complicated when you talk about heavy metal because they sort of have a lot of devil worship kind of themes, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what what I actually think it is is everyone here that has these, um, I'm saying tape players, but they're probably more like the FM <coughs> radio things because I'm I'm seeing it as like a it's a radio station who's broadcasting this. Okay. Yeah. So, so your actual antagonist is is basically this radio station. So the DJ. way that you can finally, um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get enough um, enough people onto your side um, by converting all these people. So you don't really want to kill them; you want to convert them to your side. Mm-hmm. So that once you get control of enough areas, you can actually like move it into the next stage of of trying to take over the radio station. Yeah. Well, I think what happens is when you hit them with your axe. Uh, maybe it does. Maybe it is still just a guitar, so it's blunt force trauma at the very least. Yep. But you knock the headphones off them, right, or you break their radio, and and now, you know, they're they're no longer under the spell, or at least mm-hmm. it fades off. Because uh, I was just thinking, like, maybe they they rush to like find a spot, like it's broadcasting from different areas and stuff. So you have to, you have to, after you've knocked it off, maybe you have to do something else to like hold them down or to. To keep beating them up until they actually uh, are broken free of the of the pop music spell. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I like is you can you can have uh, choose between different uh, different guitars. So you've got the electric <coughs> guitar, which is only going to be good once you've got a um, got a speaker stack. Mm-hmm. But you can also go an acoustic. Gu- Guitar, which mm-hmm. you're going to be able to actually convert, like a small group of people in your immediate vicinity, but because you don't have that um, that speaker connection, you can't actually. When you finally get the um, get the speaker uh, up and running, you're not going to actually unlock any any extra power. To- oh, okay, okay. I think what you have to do then, w- like with what I was talking about before, you have to you have to knock off the headphones, but then you have to play music. Yes. 
Right. Yes. I like that. So you might, you know, you've got an attack, you've got maybe like a spin attack that's going to hit, you know, a group of people around you, all their, all their headphones come off and then you have to do a move that plays some music to convert them. Otherwise they're going to like pick them back up or, or, or run off and find, you know, uh, the, the radio store or whatever, or, or one of the, maybe the speaker stacks are actually broadcasting the pop song until you get close, um, close enough to, to take them over. Yep. Um, and then- I, I reckon this could actually be almost like a, a cooperative game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, then you've got combos uh, around, like, doing a mass move that knocks a bunch of headphones off and then playing some music that and then it, converts um, them. I, I can see, you know, you get- um, If you happen to both start the music at the same time and playing, playing, you know, the same notes and that sort of stuff- you can actually, you know, team up to to get extra, extra. Oh, you thinking um, there's like a rhythm element when you play it's an actual? You have to yeah. hit the hit the hit the keys at the right time to pull off the combo or something. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm picturing this as kind of a cross between a beat 'em up and like a Pikmin or an yep. Overlord. So you convert a bunch of people, and then they're just following you around, head banging. But yep. then, like, you need 50 people to get past this gate because once you've converted 50 people, you can say, all right, now go bust down that gate. Um, and that maybe uses them up, as you know, perhaps, or or there are ways for them to, to be used up or go back into the, the mass of, of pop music listeners. Yep. Um, I'm sort of seeing this as almost like a, a Pied Piper sort of situation. But I, it's a Pied Piper using, like... I don't know why, but in my head, I'm seeing Tenacious D music of, like, Master Exploder of- Oh, yeah. That'd fit well, for sure. I do not so- need a microphone. <laughs> my voice is fucking powerful. Uh, <laughs> that can be one of the moves, when you're just, like, doing a acapella fucking metal scream and knock a bunch of headphones off or something. Well, that's what I was thinking as well, actually, is once you- Like, if you get to a speaker stack- you can power it up and it does like a big blast outwards in a radius and knocks a bunch of headphones off and like you mm-hmm. get a big boost of followers. Um, and then, yeah, I think so you're basically working your way through the levels uh, and maybe sort of open world ish or almost Metroidvania ish in that maybe you can only have a certain amount of followers until you, you know, upgrade your, your speakers or you get a portable speaker or something or, or whatever. Um, or you've got like a wagon with a fucking Marshall stack on it on the back, just pulling it <laughs> nice. behind you. Behind you. Um, well, I, I'm picturing that one of the, one of the later things that you can get is like a um, an FM transmitter, right? So you can kind of so overpower so you can play the guitar. Yeah, it, because you when you get close enough, when people get close enough to you, as long as you're continually playing the guitar, then it's going to override that transmission. But the thing is, if you if you um, stop playing, then immediately the right. the signal comes back in. So you can maybe get like a temporary boost of followers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I this like is actually I- really cool. I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, and I like this idea of of as you power up, you know, you, you're building up how many followers you can have at any one time. And obviously, you've got then gated areas in this world where it's like you need 200 followers to get through here, and so you're not going to be able to do that until you've unlocked a certain amount of upgrades. Um, but then like the final push on the radio station, it just ups that follower count to like a hundred thousand. Like it's orders of magnitude more than what you've needed before. And that's kind of the big, 
finale, the big end game, is you find a way to just, like, convert all these people in in the whole, you know, state or whatever. Yep, to converge and, and to on this. to just converge like- on this radio station and take over this megalo- megalomaniacal DJ. <laughs> so, what I'm actually thinking is the- um. Like, the combos and stuff that you do on the guitar mm-hmm. can have, like, a certain command sort of thing if you end with a certain button press. Okay, So, yeah. you can, like, set a, set a combo in motion and then um, end it with, say, an XY yeah. um, key press. Yeah. And that'll that'll um, send people to where you're, where you're sort of aiming. Yeah, or okay. I like that idea. And, and, and maybe, like, the longer you play well, the more powerful it is or something. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you can start a combo and it just- uh, it just got a rhythm going and you can just sort of hit keys and you have to hit them on the rhythm. Um, and they could yeah. even be like, it's not just, it's not just like four, four. Maybe there's a rhythm going that's kind of got some, you know, a, a different time signatures as you go or different, like, you know, kind of a one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, you know, or something. Yep. So that you're, you're having to hit it on the rhythm, but you can hit whichever buttons you want. And then, yeah, it's like you end and hold or something and it's those last one or two. The combination of those last one or two that actually commands them to to do something. That's cool. Yeah. I could see that being really fun. Um Yeah, and, and I'm I'm picturing that there's, you know, um gonna that the some of the bigger, harder enemies to to beat at first are gonna be those ones that have like the sound cancelling <laughs> headphones. You know, those yeah. those big audiophile ones. Yeah. Well uh, then because it makes sense because you're having to do more work to like knock them off. Yeah. Um, and, and then depending on how, like, taken they are by the music and, and kind of in th- how much in the thrall of this DJ they are, you also have to play more or louder music to, to convert them over to your side. Yeah. Or to, and or, I think or break it, them I out think of it your needs trend, to be in time trends. as well. Um, yeah. so the better off in time that you're playing, the, um, the, more, more powerful the music actually mm. is. Well, and I and like the- this, I like the idea of, a full-on bring in a, a Batman Arkham-style combat, but with that rhythm element, which it, it almost already has. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's still- Because uh, I'm thinking, like, you're playing music, but you've got a dodge button kind of thing. So, you still have to hit it on the beat, but you can hit that- If you hit that dodge on the beat, like, if you've got people coming to attack you, you'll be able to get out of the way and not break your combo. Or you can do an attack to, like, knock them back but continue playing kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, you can also just button mash to hit people around you and stuff, but then that's not that's not putting out the music that's going to bring people to your side that have had their headphones knocked off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's I really like sweet. <laughs> Three, two, one, click. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Sorry. I got, I got doll. <laughs> I thought of haunted doll watch. Uh, what was yours? <laughs> Wine. Wine. Dole wine. Ooh, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> wine. I assume that's W-I-N-E. Uh, W-I-N-E. Yes. Yeah, not, not like um, W-H-I-N-E. Okay, so where, where I'm sort of picturing it, I mean, I- because you said haunted doll, I can't think of anything else but but like a horror sort of game. That's fine. That sort of that sort of starts off with a um sort of like a dark and stormy night, and you've just got this couple in mm. this um in this old house, and they're they're sort of house sitting for um for like their neighbours or something like that, 
and there aren't. There, there's um, well, I'm, I'm thinking um, the whole house is just full of these old these old dolls. Yeah, that's why I said aunts. Aunts always have yeah. old dolls. <laughs> yeah. Go so on. what's what actually happens is you know they're sitting down for dinner and and. The um the wife sort of says to the husband, "Oh, what you know what would go really well with this um with this steak that I've cooked a nice Champagne. red. Can you go down? To, can you go down to the um to the wine cellar? And you head like the character sort of heads down there, and it's sort of in there that you get the feeling that something's not quite right with okay. um with the doll, and that's where it sort of starts. So I think one of the key things about a horror game, obviously, is just how the gameplay works to to allow that, that those horrific situations to actually mm-hmm. kind of take hold. So you thinking is this kind I'm of thinking- alone in the dark original alone in the dark Resident Evil esque kind of fixed I'm camera actually- walking through environments? Is I'm thinking this is more dead? Resident Evil Seven of that oh, claustrophobic first person, um, first person uh, slow moving. Mm-hmm. Where things, you know, you can only see what's directly in front of you. You can't quite see what's going on beside you. And yeah, okay, I definitely do like that. That feeling of, well, I don't like the feeling of it, but for gameplay no. purposes, it works. Of, of yeah, knowing that you're not going to get to run very fast, and maybe yep. even have a a stumbling mechanic, you know, or something where you can't just run and belt your way through the house like. Turning corners is going to slow you down, or or, or you slant. You know, you got. How would you simulate in first person that that sort of um, that moment where someone tries to take a corner too fast and just like slams into the wall in front of them? You know, <laughs> while still scrambling to get around that corner in a hallway. Anyway, that that kind of movement. Yeah. So, what do these dolls do then? Do they, is it? Do they just? Because do they just show up? Because I feel like um, part of the haunted doll is that you don't actually see it move, <laughs> at, least not, at least not initially. Well, I think I think what it is, is it's one of those things where, um, you know, the light is just sort of- The light bulb is just sort of flickering. And I, I yeah. like the idea of- you, and, you know and how each time you get a flash, it's, it's moved. Yeah. It's moved <laughs> slightly. Enough just to- just to make you think what's what's actually going on. Well, here. oh yeah, of course. Um, At first, yeah, it's just unsettling and you're like, why the fuck is there a doll down in the wine cellar anyway? So I'm thinking that this is um you play both protagonists in this. Like you play mm-hmm. the the husband and the wife. Yep. Um switch back and forth kind of thing. You you're switching back and forth because basically some, something falls over, like in the wine cellar, like one of the one of the shelves falls over, yep. and sort of blocks the door, so he can't get out that way. Oh, I like the idea also of switching to the other character as a jump cut uh, in in a particular tense moment. Do you know what I mean? So, yep. like, yeah, that shelf starts to you see it start to fall, and then basically at the point of impact where you hear the sound, it actually clicks right over to the wife. And obviously the sound, sh- the sound's still pl- the sound's the still sound. there, but you hear yeah. it coming from the basement, kind of thing. Um, and now you're playing her, and now that's really tense because you don't actually know what's happened down there. Like, is he injured? Why isn't he making any sounds? Yeah. Yep. And then you know you can go over the this the conversation well, then, oh. sort of sort of starts happening, and then s- some other uh, some other sounds start happening in 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 yep. upstairs. So sh- her you her thing like, now is to um. To investigate the sounds, to um, to try and help her husband get out of the um, get out of the 
out of the uh, wine cellar. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, the husband's just trying to get literally out of there and get up to, you know, help his wife out. I'm thinking throughout the game, like, they're going to be sort of separated. Um, Yeah, I think you could go back and forth. As in, like, yeah, for a good chunk after this moment, they're separated. And then there's finally a- Finally, a reunion yeah. scene, and that's when you actually up the stakes, right? That's when maybe you you finally see a little doll hand come out and grab the wife this time by the hair or um, something and pull her So, I pull think what's actually going to happen, as far as I'm concerned, is the only way out of the um out of the wine cellar is basically there's a secret passage that sort of leads in between the walls. Uh-huh. So, um, the husband's sort of just able to to. Um, help help the wife from a from a point of view of be able to sort of look through a couple of different places oh, and see okay. um, see into the room and see what's sort of happening there yeah. and then she's sort of um, I, I think that it's it's going to be a thing where you can actually switch between the I characters was about to say, after so a while at that, at that point you you give them the player the uh, the option to switch back and forth so back it could be like yeah the husband can switch. It can be moving on either side of a single wall to, like, look through here, look through there, and you have to then time it right to switch back to the wife and go through a door or something when the doll yeah, isn't, when- <laughs> I don't know, isn't looking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and and whether this actually turns out to be a doll or not, whether or whether it turns out to be, um, you know, just something that's, like, playing on their mind or- um, I don't know. I think you could you could have fun with that and, and sort of not, not go into the typical tropes of- you know, yeah, you it's could not actually do. happening. Something's actually happening, but it's you could do. You could definitely write it in a way that uh, that heavily implies it, and then does a bit of a twist of it's actually something mundane. Um, even if it's a serial killer moving dolls around. <laughs> Have you ever seen the horror movie The Boy? No, that's one I recommend so. that you go check out. That's. It's kind of fucked up. Is it up, a recent one? Um, oh, 2016. 2016, I think. Okay. Oh, it's filmed in um, BC. So, basically, this lady oh, comes to a, this mansion. There's a doll, right? I see a doll. Yeah. Um, lady comes to this to this mansion to, to look after um, this couple's son for the weekend. Yeah. But the son is literally this this doll. And <laughs> what, act- what okay. actually happens is as she's- looking after the after the sun like it moves between places in the room and all this sort of stuff and yeah where it ends up is well, very different me. to what you yeah. thought no yeah. spoilers it's but- actually really quite cool i thoroughly enjoyed it i shall have to try to find that although uh i'm pretty sure it's on, on netflix or Stan. no it's not on netflix it's on one of those. at the moment at least three to one click three to one click poking Pass. Uh, 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 uh. May- oh, maybe this is like a kind of a bit of a physics-based puzzle game where you have to go. It's like um, couch co-op multiplayer, mm-hmm. and you're passing a stick around a campfire, and you have to poke the fire. <laughs> um, but maybe you have to. But you have to like choose. To poke it in the right spot to not collapse it or something? I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Um, that was just where my mind went. And my, or maybe you can, like, choose to put on it, put on an extra log or- I don't know. I don't know how you'd score such a thing. 
But I do like the idea of a physics-based fire poking simulator <laughs> where it, like- In VR. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, that could be really relaxing. Um, but with, you know, realistic, you know, once they've burnt down enough that they could, you know, they could break in half um, because they've, you know, they've burnt through. They're just, they're just coal. They're just embers all the way through then and that sort of thing. Uh, where the game is in that, yeah, maybe a marshmallow toasting aspect. Is there anything there? Not three to one click. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you call on it that that quickly. Okay. Uh, uh, uh oh, hmm, interesting. Narrator, father. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's some interesting. There are some interesting gameplay things you can do with narration. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably based on your word, either it's the father narrating or um, someone's narrating the life of a father. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting a Stanley Parable sort of vibe. Yes. Yeah. I guess it's just how do you. Uh, I like the <laughs> I like the idea of a I mean Stanley Parable did this a bit of course because it was a comedy game but like an arrested development style sarcastic narrator <laughs> <laughs> where it's just like I am going to Disneyland he was not <laughs> just like <laughs> completely completely just like uh negating you at every turn Un- unbeknownst to the characters but beknownst to the player mm mm-hmm. mhm um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Do we do we just go down a narrative route and and think of how how our narrator could I mean, narrator narrative probably should be, but uh, think about how a narrator could could sort of add to that to that story. Um, it also so makes me th- let, let's have a think about first of all who is the narrator. Like, um, is it an omniscient sort of narrator who knows everything that's going on in the scene or is it a, an unreliable narrator that it's sort of mm. telling things from its own point of view that it wants you to know yeah it could be yeah because it could be either like the player character narrating from the future on events that have occurred in the past it could be someone who knew the player character telling a story about them in which case it may be or, or like multiple narrators, even you get the same scene, same scenes, uh, from different kind of perspectives, or or how different people remembered them or or heard them. That could be interesting. Uh, I'm I'm now starting to wonder whether there's um there's something that you could actually get the narrator um narrating what you're doing in the in a physical sense. So if you're sort of you know vaulting over over a um over a trash can, the narrator says, and then he vaulted over a trash can. And- <laughs> I feel like that could get a bit tedious, but okay, let's keep going with that. So, is it more of an action game then? Yeah, I was thinking if it was an action game, and it's like if if you if you could actually re- um, you know get the get the narrator doing some interesting things and almost commenting on on the fight that's actually going down, mm-hmm. kind of like a commentator. Um, but then also giving some narrative context to, um, to other parts of the conversations and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think how that would work. Like if you literally have narration throughout a whole, 
action game of of yeah, like he vaulted over a trash can and jump kicked, you know, Fred in the face, and then he threw a left at Fred, and then a right at Fred, and then he blocked a punch from Fred, and then Fred kicked him in the groin, and he doubled over in pain. I, I'm just I'm just wondering if you could go down to, go down to the point of um, at that moment when when Jeremy punched Fred in the face. Fred felt really, really angry at <laughs> also you're like giving insight into the mental state, the emotional state of yeah. the of the people you're beating up. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Is it just a double dragon beat him up, but the narrator just like gives insight into the backstories of all the cannon fodder enemies you're fighting? <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of picturing that, you know, as you, as Jeremy's fighting Nathan, uh, David's sneaking up from behind and the narrator goes, and what, what Jeremy didn't realise is that David was sneaking up from behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that could be pretty funny. Uh, yeah, not, not necessarily a constant narration, but- <laughs> But just interjections by the narrator as certain kind of predetermined- uh, situations play out in what is otherwise a fairly stock standard side scrolling beat em up. Yeah. With obviously some narrative with the story and stuff, but I do like the idea of a la double dragon, like a door opens and your one or two characters pop out and the narrator says like, Jim and Dave were the best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> and just like starts telling their story as they, you know, but their violent tendencies often got the best of them. <laughs> they couldn't help like they were under some outside control beating up uh, you know bystanders who just seemed threatening to them hearing a ruckus <laughs> outside the door jim and dave decide to decide to venture out to see what all the ruckus is yeah <laughs> uh that jim sees jeremy cool. beating up nathan he decides <laughs> he decides to intercede and throws a left hook into nathan's face now he's accident. He, he took a hit back, and now for some reason he's flashing in and out of reality. Oh, that means he's been hit and he's lost a, a piece of health. <laughs> He'd better find some chicken in a garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy ate that disgusting chicken. Hopefully, he doesn't get salmonella poisoning. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, Fre- so- Fred. 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 Fred uh, incapacitates. Uh, uh, Brenda, the hard-assed, you know, fucking- what They were always, like, bloody dominatrix- dominatrices. <laughs> yep. The hard-assed dominatrix, unbe- unbeknownst to him, uh, she was just trying to- uh, uh, I don't know. Fuck. I've lost that one. Never mind. Okay, so- so what I'm actually thinking is the main character of this game is actually, um, he's a stepfather. Okay, yeah, we did kind of lose that father section, so yep. Um, so the whole story is like he's um, he's trying to trying to get um, get across town, um, either to the airport or something like that to go to go see his his stepson, um, his stepson or daughter, mm-hmm. and and wife and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm liking the idea that you know maybe you'd, it doesn't actually say at the start, you know, that he's stepfather but the the idea that you know he's fighting all these people just to just to get to see his family mm-hmm. you know sort of puts puts a, a good spin on on the whole you know step family thing because so too why, often- yes except that he except that unless we come up with a good reason for him to literally beat up hundreds of people 
um he's he's you know a pretty violent guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, um can we make it a metaphor <laughs> he's it all in his head in the end oh i i'm i'm thinking that this is um maybe him um oh no it can't really be that because you got a narrator um so i'm i'm now wondering who the narrator is in in this story like uh i mean it doesn't have to it could be just a narrator like it doesn't have to be a character in the story. It could just be, hey, this is the way we're telling the story. Yeah. Um, unless you start breaking the fourth wall and, 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 and doing something there. But I don't know that we need that necessarily. Okay. So, the reason why- um, The reason why Jeremy- And I'm sticking with that name. I guess it's Jeremy. Uh, sure. Yeah. Needs in to get back to his, his brother own. is there just to help out. Just to be a good- Yeah. A I'm good thinking the reason why Jeremy needs to get back is like he was- in a taxi in this city that he's he's never been to sort of before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's tr- finishing up a work trip, uh, and then basically the taxi sort of breaks down. the The taxi driver gets overrun by this gang, um, and you know Jeremy's now running for his life, sort of thing. So you can have like a <laughs> all right. So all the attacks of- are self defense hmm? uh, because there's some kind of vicious gang taking over the city. Yeah. Criminal organization, ruthless. All right, that's probably enough. Yeah. We can still go into the backstory of these criminals and, and, and the narrator gives like a heart wrenching detailed account of of uh of why uh Nathaniel uh joined a criminal organization just to put food on the table for his family and <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, it still kind of gives Jeremy a reason to knock him out without being too much of a like a violent asshole. Sure. I like it. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, ah, fuck. I thought I think I had something else, but now I've forgotten. That is cool. I, I like the idea of the. There's a lot you could do with that narrator, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of offhand remarks as you, you know, as you take someone out, out um, giving insight into Jeremy's state of mind as well. You know, Jeremy does a fly kick to the face of the bad guy. He thinks it looks pretty cool. <laughs> But he may have pulled a groin muscle. Yeah, but he's not going to be able to play dodgeball on Sunday in his <laughs> in his amateur dodgeball league. Jeremy just got blood on his tie. His wife gave him that for Christmas last year. <laughs> she's she's going to be rather disappointed that it's now got a new- <laughs> it's now got an irremovable blood stain on it. But hopefully she'll understand, considering the fact he's beaten up fifty three bad guys at this point <laughs> to get to the fifty four. Fifty-five. <laughs> Jeremy's so glad his brother Frank was here to help out when the gang attacked. Frank he doesn't quite guy. understand why Frank wasn't here last week when <laughs> when the same thing <laughs> happened. <laughs> and he's really hoping Frank doesn't ask to borrow money again because they're quite strapped at the moment. <laughs> Especially with all these cleaning bills that he's now <laughs> picturing that he's going to have, and hospital bills on his fists <laughs> and groin. <laughs> All right, three to one click. <laughs> I really like that. Though. <laughs> oh, that was good. Fisher, rafter. Now this Fisher is in F I S S U R E. Okay. Um, hmm. Let's go with a Fisher in like the Earth or something, rather than yep anything else. Uh, <laughs> and rafter. Okay. So um, now, now I'm picturing like this. Oh, no, I think it's it's like a mountain cabin mm-hmm. or something oh, okay. like that. Um, and I, I'm picturing 
that I'm just trying to think whether it's a um, whether it's like out of this fissure it comes um, like lava and that sort of stuff, or whether it's mm-hmm. it's more of a fucking demons and ghosts and <laughs> yeah. What what I kind of like is that your character is sort of up on the um up and I'm, I'm picturing a snow covered mountain. Okay, and it's kind of like um. One of our favourite Simpsons episodes of all time, Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. where- Secluded you know, cabin. He's secluded cabin. He's, um, you know, just uh, trying to get away. Typical trope of, like, he's a writer just trying to um, trying to write his latest model. Uh, novel. <laughs> Not model. Uh, his latest novel and- So, it's 12.80 then- in the afternoon. And he's trying- <laughs> Uh, I'm picturing that there's going to be, like, an earthquake sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And at that earthquake, like, he notices- um, at the, You look out the window and, and you see, like, this massive fissure sort of yeah. occur in the snow just up just up the way. Yeah. And- So, is this kind go- of a, almost an Alan Wake-ish kind of slow burn- Yeah, slow burn sort, sort of, of psychological mm-hmm. horror slash thriller. A um, little bit less- uh, straight horror than Alan Wake. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm I'm picturing you know sort of, um, kind of, uh, what's what's it called? H.P. Lovecraft sort of. Um, yeah. So yeah, because I'm trying to think like, what's your main gameplay loop here? Um, uh, it doesn't sound like combat. Like Alan Wake had combat as, as really and exploration, but combat as its main sort of thing. You know, weaken him with the yeah. flashlight or whatever, and then shoot him. Uh, this sounds like maybe it's a bit more just exploratory. Yeah, definitely exploratory. Um, I, I do like the idea that once the fissure sort of comes, that um, it sort of calls to him in his dreams. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because does, um, does he see something? Does he see like a figure? Well, that's I'm thinking sort of not quite human-like. Yeah, and when he wakes up, I'm I'm picturing that he wakes up and he just looks up into the rafters and he just sees these red eyes. Oh, or like the silhouette of this figure, like crouched up there. Yeah, that he just saw in in the dream, just as it, just as his eyes open, it's just yeah up there, just sort of sitting. Well, you up could do just a cool to, effect where like rafters. it stays kind of blurry and underexposed as he sort of as he comes to you know as he wakes up and it, and once it all clears up, it's not there anymore. But you definitely saw like the shape of it. Yeah. Now, I think that um, he's not a horror writer, though. You know, s- some of the typical tropes is, is that, yeah. you know, they're horror writers and the what they're writing comes to life. No, I I'm, feel like I'm he's thinking- just, like, a pretty standard, like, slice-of-life fiction writer. Oh, I was thinking, like, hardcore erotica writer or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does that on the side under a pseudonym. When he's got writer's block, he just, like, bangs out some- Porn on page, and yeah, uh, his name is Daniel Steele. <laughs> Daniel Steele, <laughs> yeah, I'm um, sure. Uh, wait, no, that's his real name, though. <laughs> yeah, that's his real name. His, oh, right. his, his pen name isn't Danny L. Steele, that was already taken. <laughs> no, his pen name is like Rick Hardbuns or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I like the idea of this. Of this, like, romance novel writer, like, find- finding this, like, horror sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I- I'm picturing that he- And then he falls in love with it. 
I'm, I'm picturing that he's really um, quite nervous and quite scared of these sort of things. So you could yeah, have he's that. Not, sort he's of- not a kind of hero character by any means. He's he's yep. fairly timid. So so is there an aspect of kind of you get to know the people in the town you. You know, you do have sort of a, da- a daily tasks that you have to do that that slowly this thing starts impinging on. Yeah, uh, I think the sort of daily task that you've got is you've got enough food, but you need to collect some wood. You need to collect, um, you know, some running uh, some water from the from the creek and that sort of stuff. So you just got some. Well, things how that you need like to do how isolated is this? Oh, good question. As in, is there I- a nearby town that you can that you can kind of drive into as long as the snow isn't too high or something? Right, like yeah. So that you can have a thing like, oh, you need to pick up your mail. You need to, you know, and have a have a chat with the the postmaster or whatever, and you, yep. you go to the grocery store to get your supplies. But yeah, obviously, then you can have you can have periods where, oh, I can't. I'm actually stuck here, so I've, you know, this is what supplies I have. There's and- a there's a fallen tree on on the trail, and it's blocking the entrance to the bridge. Yeah, so there's yeah. so you don't have that trope of the bridge going down, but there's just a there's just a. Um, like there's a uh, a tree that's big enough to have fallen down in in front of that thing. Yeah, and, well, and you could probably ramp up the tension in a way that like the first time something like that happens, it's kind of not that big a deal. You just like you have to survive the night. Oh, do you think you have any survival aspects to this, or is it mostly just story based? I think it's like story are based. they are they lo- are they like lose points where it's like you didn't stock up enough for the winter <laughs> and you got no. I, I think it's I think it's more um, on your task list for the day. It's sort of like. Um, get get some get some water. Get some get some wood. Yeah. Um, it's a bit life is strangeish. Yeah. Well, you mostly you know you might have a choice of a couple things you can do, and that might slightly change the outcome. But in general, here's what you're doing this day: get some exposition, go through some some sort of uh, uh, you know horror horror horrific um, set pieces, and and keep moving forward to tell the story. Yeah, so I think um, when you when you go to um, investigate the fissure, like if you remember the the game, um, oh, what was that game? The Sanity's Requiem one was that Eternal Darkness? Was it? Or? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it had that that sort of fear and psychological sanity, sanity, sanity mechanic. Yeah, um, I kind of like you know the idea of of having his mind playing tricks on him. That you know he's hearing things, he's seeing things, um, sort of off behind the trees, just on the on sort of like the side of the vision, sort of thing, so that you you're not quite sure what you saw. Yeah. But um, so he start his mind starts playing tricks on him when he um when he gets near to the fissure and like he's having bad dreams and um, I'm picturing his notebook that actually has his daily sort of tasks in it of what he needs to do. You know he. He looks in it up um, after he finishes his, you know, second task for the day, and it's got all this, all this um, scribble by someone's, someone else's writing, mm. something like that, and mm. you know, investigate yeah, those sorts of effects. And- yeah, yeah, like it's added things to his task list, or it's like crossed things out. Like if he starts getting, uh, if he starts getting interested in it, I guess it's either is it trying to call to him or is it trying to push him away. We did say yeah. he was sort of calling to him, but- um, uh, I, I, I like the idea of it calling to him, but um, to do some unusual sort yeah, of Yeah, look, it wants to, like, use him, but if he starts getting close to finding its secrets, then at that, that's the point it might start messing with him and trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I picture that 
be um, with the tree that's fallen down. Um, when you get up there, like the sheriff has already sort of been on his way to check check out what was um, happening and see that you were all right after after the big earthquake or something like that. Yeah. So there's people already working on it, so that you you now know. Okay, people know where you are. They they've uh, they're still coming for you and all this sort of stuff. Well, so and you- then there could be like a time pressure of are they going to get through before this thing like infiltrates my mind and <laughs> yeah. drives me insane. Yeah, that's cool. Daniel Steele, <laughs> a Daniel Steele adventure. Right, switch on, click. Yowl. Southwest. Yowl. Um, Southwest. So you're a band playing at South by Southwest. That's a <laughs> thing, right? That's a concert, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, called the Yowlers. It's a new. It's Yowlcore. It's a new style. <laughs> Instead you really of like, like going to bands, don't you? Heavy metal screaming. I don't know. I just thought it's a sound that things make. And south and southwest. Come on, there wasn't that much of a stretch. <laughs> Last week was all about fucking putting things like in bodies and taking them out. This one is about bands. <laughs> uh, no, look, I don't have a game there. That was just that was just where my mind went. Do you have anything? Um, I think southwest, and I think uh, is it like. Uh, the southwest of the United States is it like the southwest of of say Australia, where you're talking Perth, and then you know if you're talking, how, how do you spell yours? Yowl, Y O W L, as in the sound a cat makes when you pull its tail. So I'm starting to think that um, I remember there being like, um, oh, what what was it called? There's a there's a um, Australian folklore entity called the Yowie. This is true. Yes. Yes. It's kind so, of our version of the bunyip. Yeah. Okay. That's not too much of a stretch. A yowie could yowl. Yeah. So, I'm thinking that this is sort of set in like the um, the outback in southwest Australia. So- Yep. West um, Australia kind of- So, it's sort of like a-, a um, lo- Locals have sort of um, said that over the past um, couple of- couple of months that um, this uh, yowling sound has been heard um, late at night and you're you're like I'm picturing an, an American sort of come to come to Australia to do your walkabout to to try and um, to try and search out this you know mystical fig- figure that is um, kind of like the um, you know the Bigfoot of Australia it's kind of like the Bigfoot it's kind of like the chupacabra it's kind of like the yeah. Um, yeah, well, so one thing that's interesting, apparently, well, I'm just looking on Wikipedia, apparently uh, they have uh, feet turned backwards. Okay. Extraordinary cool. long arms. Uh, long white hair hanging down over the head, over their faces, so you can't actually see what they look like. That's all pretty fucking creepy. That's I think we can get a good design out of that. Oh, um, yeah. I, like, I really like the idea, actually, of like the, the sort of almost luminant white hair, like the moonlight- Coming off the white hair out in the outback at night, like the cold outback night, and you just see this kind of luminous, moonlit white hair coming towards you. Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of picturing it. Does this sort of happen around like a um a swampland sort of sort of area? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Look, I I unfortunately don't know 
a lot about Outback Australia. I feel like this would be a really good opportunity because it does actually come um, from Aboriginal legends. Yeah. Uh, and so it could be a really good opportunity to sort of bring in some of their history um, in an interesting way. Um, but, yeah, look, and, and I, I guess it sort of makes sense to, you know, if we wanted to do something that, that helps bring some of their um, folklore and stuff to, to a wider audience, then then viewing it from the perspective of an outsider makes sense. But you could have some inter- some interesting Aboriginal characters in there who, who kind of- um, Guide the way or, well, or I wonder it'd be interesting if you played a local Aboriginal man who is, gu- who then is like guiding this brash, annoying American so that you're playing a more sympathetic character. Yep. Um, yeah, I like that. You know, so th- then um, you've got that interesting dynamic of. Yeah, I, I like, I like the idea of having, having this, um, this character who, you know, doesn't, doesn't actually believe in this. Um, like in the he, creature, he doesn't believe in the creature because he's sort of lost his way. If you know what I mean, like, um, it, it could be one of those things of you know he he starts to learn about, um, you know the the dreamland and 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 a lot of the um, a lot of the sort of stuff of his ancestors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's he's going through his own journey of kind of rediscovering, yeah, um, his roots. His roots, and you're also you're sort of seeing, you know, how he's being treated by the, um, by the, by the, by local, the American, and well, and and even the rest just of the locals, the, the rest of the locals, yeah, yeah. Sorry, audience, you'll have to pardon our hesitation on this because we always want to add representation and tell interesting stories, but we never actually quite know enough about them to do it justice. Uh, but I do really like that idea, like that uh, in the right hands, that could be a really interesting story. Yep. Um, um, and again, look, there's tons. There's tons of cool stories in the in the like Dreamtime, um, legends and stuff in in Aboriginal culture that you could that you could bring into this, um, other than just the Yowie or Yahoo. Yeah, I mean, I mean, known. this could this could actually be like the the start of like the Dreamland Chronicles sort of thing. Of yeah, it's like you bring in all these new cryptids <laughs> from Dreamtime. Well, maybe not. They're maybe they're not all creatures like this, but uh, no. But yeah. um, I, I seem to to remember, you know, like the rainbow serpent and all that sort of stuff, and just able to yeah. Well, of, this is the thing. Sort of do do for the um bring bring to light uh to the majority of people like all the um all the different uh, sort of stories of the dreamland, but from a um if you if you have a Aboriginal protagonist. Well, and I'm sure there are a bunch of Indigenous Australian- Voiced by Aboriginal, um, written by Aboriginals. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, developers as well. I'm sure there are plenty out there. I mean, not enough, I'm sure, but who who would love to to work on this sort of this sort of story, this sort of game? And yeah, yeah it can enter it can enter in from from like you know a nowadays sort of thing, but then it um it can expand into a little bit more about you know the um. The actual stories behind it, and, and mm. have it somewhat interactive. Well, I'd love to see some of the art styles um, from from you know Aboriginal paintings and, and different things, and, and they've got a very distinctive style. I'd love to see that kind of brought into a video game. Oh yeah, um, that would be really cool. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay, that's cool. Someone, someone pay some some uh, Aboriginal uh, developers to 
to make that for us. All right, let's do Three, one more. Two, one, click. Ditty. A little ditty. Bedtime. Bedtime. Sorry, what was yours? Bedtime. Bedtime. Ooh. Um, does it say something that when I think of, like, singing a bedtime song to a child, it goes to horror? <laughs> I guess just to make any sort of interesting tension out of something like that, it, it kind of has to in a way. But um, is there I, something just- about- singing a bedtime song to somebody i know i'm just get, i'm getting this um this sort of thing of your character is is like a a six-year-old mm-hmm. having having a bad dream sort of thing mm-hmm. and like the only thing that can sort of calm you down is uh the the sound of your your parents voices like yeah sing, singing singing a song to you and that sort of stuff so you can have like I know just a, a different action sort of scenario that is within the dreamland, and then you know if you um if you happen to get woken from a start, you know your, your character starts screaming, your parents come in, sing you off to sleep, and then you start off with a nice dream that gradually turns evil again. Right. So the gameplay is in the dreams. Yeah. And then in between, it's just kind of it's almost a reset. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's almost, almost a reset death mechanic. <laughs> Um, like you're you're hearing uh, different parts of the story of of like I'm picturing you know when parents put their kids to sleep they're not going to sleep themselves yet. Yeah, so- okay, that's where I was kind of going to. I like the idea of what's happening in the real world seeping into these kids' dreams. Yeah, and it could be that their parents are discussing you know discussing a, a heated topic or having an argument or they've got friends over or something and- that's been happening around here lately because my son's been watching ghostbusters um in ghostbusters 2 there was a um scene where um venkman's got got like a um a tv show and they're talking about the end of the world mm-hmm. and so um one of the ladies goes well there's going to be a meteor that strikes strikes the earth and wipes out all of earth and guess what james has been <laughs> having nightmares about, about. <laughs> it just just you know medias yeah like none of the ghosts all the ghosts and that sort of stuff are fine it's just this <laughs> just one go thing day. so my wife and i were talking yesterday because at the moment in in australia you can actually go out at about three o'clock in the morning and see a mm-hmm. meteor shower <laughs> yes because we're, we're passing through like the the tale of Haley's comment um, from many years ago at the moment, and sort of, yeah. So yeah. I, we we've not wanted to be saying something like that, but I can just imagine this. Um, you so know- you really want to scare him? Just tell him about climate change. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I want him actually, um, you know, going to sleep and not waking us up. <laughs> yeah, fucking, I want to be able to go to sleep without worrying about climate change. Uh, so the gameplay. What sort of gameplay are you thinking is happening here? Is this sort of a Almost like a 3D platformer or something where the world is then kind of shifting and changing oh, yeah, around that can be kind of you cool. based on- Kind of starts off like a Mario 64-esque level that you're running around, jumping around. Yeah, like around very much a kid dream, you know, like in candy and, and, and television. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, kids like, TV. A, as you move through the level, like, things continually change. Yeah, and I think maybe you just sort of, like, play little snippets of adult conversation- or, or bits from a TV, you know, you make it clear where it's coming from, because otherwise it, it could just sort of be a bit strange for the player for these things to change. But all of a sudden, 
you yeah, you're like fighting giant electricity bills. <laughs> well, I, I like the idea of all of a sudden like there's this massive um bang and your your kid's brain has basically turned into like a um a balloon like exploding. Okay. But in reality what it was was a car backfiring outside or something like that. You, right. Um just take some of the some of the noises of the house and that sort of stuff and, and twist them into something that could be happening in the dream to gradually mm. go south. Yeah. And then yeah, I like that idea of basically if you die in the game, you wake up in real life and uh your parents have to come in and, and sing you a little song and then yep. you get dropped back into your dream again. Um, it could almost be fairly simple gameplay, um, almost a bit of like Infinite Runner style, just not necessarily in in that exact gameplay thing, but or, or maybe like more like a roguelike kind of thing where you're doing a run, like it's not a story based thing, yeah, necessarily. Although as you played more, you could maybe unlock or bring in sort of progression of of the different conversations or the different things that 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 make their way into it, but um. But that, yeah, it's just, okay, how far can I get before I wake up? Um, and it's semi-random what, uh, what elements get brought into the dream and, um, and yeah, you kind of unlock stuff as you go. Um, I, I almost want to play around with that whole thing of object permanence of like, you see something, uh, say like, uh, a collectible or something like that. But if it goes off the screen at all, Mm. It's gone forever. Yeah, I mean that is very dreamlike. Um, whether it's annoying, <laughs> I don't know. But you could definitely play with it for sure. Yeah. Um, and that gives you an that even gives you an interesting kind of game mechanic of like, oh, I see that thing over there, but I know that if I look away, it's going to be gone. So you kind of have to focus on on how you get across there, whether it's through the platforming or or whatever the the gameplay ends up being. Um, but still, you have to keep it in view the whole time. Yeah. That's cool. That yeah. is. Cool. Um, I'm, I'm picturing the, the boogeyman, the um the tooth fairy, all, all these other things that, you know. Well, and then you get to pervert them with, like, adult stuff, right? <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, the boogeyman comes into it at some point. But if he's dreaming about nice stuff, you know, you could have these little scenes or these little moments- that just get perverted by into nightmares and, yep. and sort of uh, play around with how that could happen. That's cool. That is. I reckon we'll finish it there. I think we will. I think we will. We will. We shall finish it up there. Thank you for joining us again. Well, I hope it's again. This could be your first episode. I don't know. If so, either way, thank you for joining us. If so, welcome. Hope you, <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can find us online and all the rest of our episodes and all of our social media and our YouTube channel and all that good stuff on podchaser.com. That's podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Uh, you can also find us at 8bit.net slash bitstorm as we are part of the 8-Bit Collective. Uh, this is a group of like-minded podcasters, mostly about video games, but also a few other things who, uh, you know, we, we're all part of the, we're part of a group and we do stuff together. It's cool. Speaking of like-minded individuals, check out the AGP and the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network search for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook or AGP Network or the hashtag AGPN on Twitter. And we'd finally like to thank Kuradust for the use of their song, 
Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure, which I think we mentioned last week is reaching its 10th birthday. Yeah, pretty soon. Well, like six, like eight months, but we'll just mention it every week until then. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Trevor and Ben finished their podcast and they started going away when Jeremy came back out and started beating the shit out of them. Oh, damn it, Jeremy. Jeremy.